Hello and welcome back to Stop and Go F1 here for our Singapore Grand Prix Grand Preview. Yes, we are back again for more Formula 1 coverage and just the Formula 1 this weekend. Of course, the Formula 3 finished up last time out in Monza. F2 has one race left in Abu Dhabi, but that is a long way off. From now till the end of the season, it will just be F1 coverage on the channel here alongside other videos as well, but we'll just be covering F1 stuff as we go ahead. So, what are we going to cover in this preview? Of course, we're going to have to look at Upgrade Corner, all the upgrades the teams are bringing this weekend. Special Helmet Street as well is coming up, and it's a Singapore edition, so it's always a good one. We'll be having a look at the results of the practice sessions, and what can we really read from that as well, as well as I'll be making my two predictions for the weekend in general. But of course, first we must start with the news and this is breaking news coming in as we sit here right now and it's that uh portuguese is not the main language spoken in mexico now if you watched my last video on helmet marco's racist things i said in that video that in mexico they speak portuguese of course i was getting confused between mexico and brazil in mexico they speak spanish in portuguese in uh, brazil they speak portuguese glad that's cleared up Anyway, the actual news, Zhou Guan Yu has been confirmed for the Alfa Romeo seat for next year, which I think is the 100% correct decision to make. I think the real decision they were making there is, do we stick with Zhou or do we take a risk on uh, Teo Porsche, who looks like he's going to win the Formula 2 championship. And I think sticking with Zhou is the right decision uh, to make there. Zhou's been very impressive going up against Bottas uh, since he came in last year. Bottas, who you know, is a very credible guy, race wins underneath his belt, part of that Mercedes team for such a long time, and I think Joe has come in and matched him, so it's a great uh, thing there for Joe. Hopefully next year he'll finally be able to participate in the Chinese Grand Prix, if that goes ahead. Um, it's on the calendar, will it actually go ahead or not? We'll wait and see. But yeah, I'm very happy for Joe, and I think this is the right choice from Alpha, and what this really means is there's only a couple seats left which are in question. Logan Sargent's Williams seat is in question, although I do uh, suspect that Logan will be there again next year. And then it's really all the questions about Alpha Tauri, who out of uh, Yuki, Liam Lawson, Daniel Ricciardo will take those two seats in the Alpha Tauri next year. That's the biggest question I think we have going forward. So no massive silly season really uh, for F1 this year. It, we could be in a position where we have no changes at all going between years, which I don't know if that's ever happened before. I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember a time that's ever happened. But what we are setting up for, really, is a stupidly mad, silly season coming this time next year. And I plan to make a video on that sometime, probably towards the end of the season, but there's a whole load of variables going into the 2025 season, which means that the driver market towards the end of 2024 is going to get mad, like never before. Anyway, happy for Joe. Uh, hope to see him do well next year in what won't be an Alfa Romeo, will be a Sauber car. So we'll see how that goes for him there. Uh, now, this one, next one, is a bit more of a rumour than news, but it surrounds Mick Schumacher. Mick Schumacher, of course, is the uh, reserve driver for Mercedes at the moment, but it looks like he might not be the reserve driver for Mercedes next year, as Alpine have reportedly made contact with him, but not to do anything with Formula 1, but instead, for the World Endurance Championship, the team was said to have invited him to a test drive for a LMDH prototype. Uh, according to Motorsport Actual, 
Mick could leave Formula 1 racing next year and become part of the sports car programme for Alpine. If this was to happen, he would compete in the World Endurance Championship, including the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Now, I'm a bit mixed on this for Mick, because I was a big defender of Mick towards the end of last year. I wasn't making videos or anything, but yes, in my friend group or whatever, I was a big uh, defender of Mick. I thought he, towards the end of last year, he was around about where Kevin Magnussen was, and I don't think he should have lost his seat. In hindsight, Hulkenberg was a much better choice for Haas than Mick was, but I still don't think that Mick deserved to lose his seat. Um, looking at this now, I think it's going to be really difficult for Mick to get back into Formula 1, and I don't think he's going to do it by sitting behind Toto Wolff in races. If he goes to Endurance, though, I think that might be it. Because like, there's so many guys who leave Formula 1 and go to World Endurance Championships, and then that's just where they stay. They don't come back. So I think for Mick, this would be great. Because I think he's a really good driver. And I think he'd really be able to show off what he can do in World Endurance Championship. I think he'd do well. I'm not really up to date on World Endurance Championship. I don't know how well the Alpine team are. I know they're not one of the bigger ones. You have the likes of uh, Ferrari, of course, have done quite well. And is it Toyota have done well as well this year. So I don't know how well the Alpine car would be for him. But it would actually be racing rather than doing nothing. So that's a positive if it was up to me, purely selfishly, I'd want to see him in IndyCar, because I love IndyCar, and it's mad, and I think he'd do well there. But if this is what he wants to do, it could be a really good move for him, and I think it might be better than doing absolutely nothing, which is what he's doing now. We've got an update on the uh, regulations that are going to come into F1 in 2026. This comes from the FIA. The cars will be smaller in length and the width will be uh, narrower tyres. Cars will be lighter entirely by 50 kilograms, but ground effects would uh, be the main concept of all the cars. Now, I think this would be great because if you have smaller cars, lighter cars, you've got faster cars. And faster cars normally leads to more overtaking and more action. So I think making them smaller and lighter is great. I quite like the ground effect era of cars. I much prefer this to what we had, say, about uh, five, ten years ago, where you had these cars which look like they've just all come off an assembly line. They all look the same, where it's just boxes and straight lines. I didn't really like that at all. I like the way the cars look now, where it looked, the, the, you can just see the aerodynamics on them all curved and everything. I love that look of them. So I like that Grand Effect is staying around, and lighter cars is always good. Um, I'll get onto it a bit more as we look into the practice sessions, actually. But, you know, as much as this year has been dominated by Red Bull, I think we're really setting up really quite well for 2024 in terms of all the other teams catching up. And as I said, we'll get into it more in the practice sessions when we have a look at that. And as we said, Red Bull are dominating to the point that they could win the Constructors' Championship this year. This year, they, they're going to win the Constructors' Championship this year. They could win the Constructors' Championship this weekend, although it is looking incredibly unlikely. They would need to get a 1-2, firstly, and then they would also need Mercedes to not score any points whatsoever, or if Red Bull had a 1-2 and the fastest lap, Mercedes would have to score more than one point. So it's very unlikely that they're going to win the Constructors' Championship this weekend, but they could do it. But moving on now to Upgrade Corner. So we're going to go through all the teams, tell you what they've brought. If they haven't brought anything... I'll say they haven't brought anything, but if they brought stuff which is your circuit-specific stuff, I'm not going to mention that either because it's not truly an upgrade. But Red Bull brought a couple of things. They brought some four edges and rear wing. Mercedes have brought nothing. 
Aston Martin have brought a new rear corner. Ferrari have brought a new front wing. Now, McLaren are the first of the teams to bring a lot of stuff. But there's a little more to go into here. So I'll just read out what they brought. Because it's basically an entirely new car for the second time this year for McLaren. They brought a new front wing end plate, new side pod, side pod inlet, new halo, new floor body, new engine cover, new rear corner, new rear suspension, and new rear wing end plate. This is, you know, we had the McLaren A car at the start of the year. It was rubbish. We had the B car that was introduced in uh, Austria and has come through to now. And now here is the C car of the McLaren to fully achieve the potential of what that McLaren can do this year. Um, once again, McLaren have done something that I don't like which is they have brought the upgrades but they've given all of them to Lando and some of them to Piastri I don't know if they've come out and said which ones they've given to Piastri and which ones they haven't but looking at the practice sessions it's hard to take a read on it truly because obviously this is the first time Piastri's ever driven around the Singapore track so he might be slower for that reason he might be slower because you know generally he has been slower but He's so massively slower that you can tell that it, there must be a massive step up from the B car to the C car here. So yeah, once again they've given it to Lando. We saw what happened in Austria where they gave Lando the upgrades and gave Piastri nothing. Where Lando was fighting for podiums and Piastri was just nowhere. We may have a return of that again and I don't really like it. I mean, I could understand if it was Haas or Williams... But McLaren have got the money to make the upgrades for both cars. And they know that this C car is faster. It's not like they're testing the two against each other. They know which one's faster. But they're just giving it to Lando. And I don't like that. Right, moving on though. Alpine, they have brought new side pod inlet and new cooling louves. Williams have brought nothing. Haas have brought nothing. Alfa Romeo have brought quite a bit actually. Floor fences, diffuser, rear corner and front wing. But then Alpha Tauri is the second of the heavy hitters. They've brought their B car as well. Now, there was news coming up in the week about their upgrades, how they've moved to a more Red Bull-style car. Alpha Tauri came into these new regulations thinking, you know, don't worry, Red Bull, we'll do it ourselves. We've got this. We don't need your help. And it turns out Red Bull have made the best car on the grid. Alpha Tauri have made the worst. And now they've changed their mind and they're asking Red Bull for a bit more help. We've seen the start of this here. We will see more of it next season. But yeah, they've brought a few things here. Floor body, floor edge, diffuser, engine cover, rear suspension, rear corner, and new mirrors, which is interesting because uh, Liam Lawson's mirrors fell off or were going to fall off in uh, Italy. So they've got new stronger ones here in Singapore. Yeah, so basically with Alpha Tauri, I think their plan for next year is buy as much as the rules allow them to buy from Red Bull, make everything else themselves. And with the results they've been having, I think that is the right idea. So, moving now from Upgrade to upgrade Corner to Special Helmet Street. But before we get to Special Helmets, we've got to talk Special Liveries. Now, if you're watching on the YouTube, look at your screens now, because here is the new McLaren Stealth Livery, which will be with us uh, here in Singapore and also in Japan. Now, uh, they're saying the reason for this new livery is to celebrate their partnership with OKX, which is the one you'll see here on the side pod, this is, I believe it's uh, an Asian sponsor. If you remember la back to last year, they also had a special livery where it was all kind of like more mechanical and cyberpunk-esque. Like, you know, that's what it looked like there. 
to celebrate OKX. This is what they've gone with this year. Now, I like this. McLaren have had three special liveries this year. Of course, they had the Triple Crown earlier this year in Monaco. They had the Chrome Look McLaren for uh, Silverstone and Spain. And then here, this is for uh, Singapore and Japan. I think this might be my favourite out of the three, really, because I didn't like the Triple Crown one because I thought it was just a bit too much of too much going on. Three ideas shoved onto one car. I didn't like the Chrome one because they still put the McLaren Failure Orange on it, which I don't like. But this, I do actually quite like. I think it looks really nice. I never really liked the blue on the McLaren, so there's less blues there. You've still got a bit of orange, but you've got mainly black. But what is the true reason for this, is my question. And I have an answer for you. Well, I have a hypothesis slash theory. They say it's to celebrate OKX. I say load of rubbish. This is the McLaren C car. Well, this one isn't, because this is, this is Piastri's car. So this is the in-between one. But let's say, hypothetically, this is their new McLaren. With lots of new bits all over it. And these new bits, I think, are very heavy. So, what do they do to reduce the, rate, the weight of the car? They take the paint off. And if we zoom in... Well, actually, you can't see because this isn't a great image. But when you're watching on the telly, have a look at these black bits because it is not black paint, it is bare carbon fibre. And we saw this a lot at the start of the year when the liveries were all launched about cars trying to be as light as possible by making it black. They've gone big time here for McLaren, making it black everywhere to save as much weight as possible. So I think this new car is very heavy but they're not the only ones with uh, special liveries we also have the williams which have gone for their golf livery it's called bolder than bold it was uh, voted for by the fans we discussed it earlier on this year the four choices the fans had and this is the one that won and i quite like it i don't like it from the front i think from the front it doesn't look too great but from the side very nice lovely golf livery Looks great, and we've got it for a few races. We might have it till the end of the year. I'm not sure, but it's definitely uh, longer than just this one race. Anyway, special helmet street. Let's talk about some helmets. Firstly, Sergio Perez. He's got a special helmet this weekend. This is his 250th Grand Prix, and this is a uh, helmet here to celebrate that. Got some photos of him throughout his career. 250 uh, written all over it. It looks very nice, and it's a nice helmet from Sergio to celebrate his career, because, you know, uh, got Never Give Up there. And, all, you know, for his career really should have ended in 2020 when um, uh, Aston, uh, well, Racing Point, as they were at that point, um, dropped him, broke his contract before it ended to bring in Sebastian Vettel. It looked like he was out. He got that race win just before he was going to leave, and then Red Bull picked him up. He's gone to win a few more races. He's been one of the best midfield drivers, I think, in Formula 1 history, and people might disagree with that, but if you look at his career from Sauber to Racing Point, um, you know, McLaren a bit in the middle there as well, Force India, in terms of midfield drivers, he was always consistently very good, great stuff then I think he's been a wonderful number two driver for Red Bull as well. I think a lot of people talk badly about Checo, and yeah, he has had a fluctuating results this year, and he hasn't been on top of his game. But I think when you look back at his career and his 250 races, he's had a fantastic career. And when you put into perspective that if you win one race, you're in like the top 1% of F1 drivers, 
How many how many race wins has he got now? Like five or six. So I think he's got a career that he'd be very happy with. And you know, two hundred fifty race two hundred fifty races is fantastic stuff. Anyway, on to the rest of the grid. This is Oscar Piastri special helmet here for Singapore. I love it. I love it so much when they put all the sparkly stuff on it for Singapore. It lights up under the lights in the night race. Looks really good. Uh, Yuki Sonoda though has gone for something completely different. This is one of Yuki's like. The, the dull isn't the right word like the most subtle or like low um helmets of his season really normally lots of colors all over the place but here just white and gray which is a very strange choice for singapore magnuson's uh brought this out here um i don't really know why uh, there's a lion here that looks nice. It's a good-looking helmet, but it's not really a Singapore special. Um, Lando Norris, I think, has the best helmet of the weekend. Um, you know, I don't really know much about the Quadrant stuff. I don't watch their videos, but I'm sure they're very good. I, what I do like, though, is this kind of weird zebra-type black uh, painting here on the back with all the glitter. That This is a proper classic Singapore helmet. Uh, Joe's done a good job as well. A bit of sparkles up on the top of his helmet there. Lovely bunny ears and a carrot nose like a snowman. But, you know, when we're talking Singapore special helmets, there's only one man we can talk about. He's no longer on the grid anymore, so we don't get to talk about him too much. But I thought we have to bring him up because we're talking about helmets in Singapore, and that's Sebastian Vettel. And just here is his 2013 Singapore special helmet. This is how you do it. This is one of the best ever just proper sparkly stuff everywhere look great under the lights he also had one when he had leds in the top then leds instantly got banned from being in helmets because he did it but yeah this is how you do it guys not this not yuki sonoda not just a helmet that can be any helmet ever lando you did all right you did very good actually but this is the blueprint for singapore special helmets make them sparkle Come on, guys. It's not too hard. Anyway, what is next? Uh, let's have a look at the practice results because it's very, very interesting. FP1 was topped by Charles Leclerc with a 133.3. Now, of course, we have got the new layout for Singapore this year with four corners removed in sector three. So instead of that part where you go out, then back in underneath the grandstand, then back out again, it's just a full-on straight there making some proper overtaking in sector three also we just include increase the total speed of the track so uh we're, we're gonna have a new fastest lap ever this weekend round singapore which is a shame because kevin magnuson holds the track record at the minute which is a bit mad but yeah that will be gone this weekend so leclerc was first but science was second and he was just 0.078 behind him ferrari's looking very strong this weekend and both guys looking very close to each other as well car science since coming back off the summer break has looked absolutely fantastic and he's continuing it through here red bull have been looking to struggle a bit today which is the first time i think they've looked to be struggling all weekend max did finish fp3 in third fp1 sorry in third but yeah he didn't seem to be as consistently fast as everyone else he was a tenth off the back of charles leclerc with norris not too far behind him the mercedes were both in the mix as well Sergio Perez was 7th in FP1, and Alonso was 8th, but yet again, not too far off everyone else. When you look further down the grid, 
Alpine seem to be back on it a bit as the leaders of the midfield after an awful race in Monza. Uh, Alfa Romeo looking pretty good, as was Williams. We'll get onto them a little bit more later on. Uh, as I said, Oscar Piastri not looking great, but that uh, that could be a myriad of different things. Into FP2, and yet again topped by the Ferraris, but the other way around this time. Now Carlos Sainz on top and Charles Leclerc behind him by 0.018. Yet again, the Ferrari boys very close together here, which is really interesting. George Russell third this time from Alonso, then Hamilton. Norris again, just there or thereabouts in sixth. Then once again, Red Bull struggling. Perez ahead of Verstappen in FP2 uh, with 7th and 8th place for the Red Bull guys. So yeah, this looking like the toughest race for Red Bull so far at a track which Max Verstappen has never, ever won at. And another interesting stat for you here, Max has only ever led three laps of the Singapore Grand Prix in his entire career, which if you look at the Singapore track stats... That is the least number of laps anyone's ever led if they've led a lap. It's him and Jensen Button have led three laps of this uh, race. No one's ever just done two or just done one. Interestingly, though, Antonio Giovinazzi has done six. So Antonio Giovinazzi has led more laps of the Singapore Grand Prix than Max Verstappen as we stand here right now. Yeah, but looking here, Haas look okay, but their tyres are going to be on fire because it's a hot race. Uh, Liam Lawson actually looking very strong. Lance Stroll struggling yet again. Uh, Oscar Piastri is really look, not looking great, hoping he can find some form as he goes through the rest of the weekend. And then Alex Albon had an engine problem at the start of FP2, so didn't get much running out there. But yeah, this is a very tight grid. Ferrari seem to be leading the way, as it is, but everyone else is very close. I mean, if you look at uh, the top five, there's four tenths in it. In terms of the top ten, you've got less than a second. So it's a really quite tight grid in terms of practice pace. We'll see tomorrow in FP3, uh, when people start to dial up a bit more, what, we, what we've got. And, of course, I think qualifying is going to be really, really interesting. I think we're going to see people being knocked out by like 0.00 something. It's really quite close. And that's what I was saying before about how we're setting up for 2024 being a really quite close grid because as all these upgrades are coming in, not guys aren't just catching Red Bulls, but the Ferrari looks so quick. This is the second weekend in a row now where Ferrari will look quick. McLaren looking quick. Mercedes looking quick. Alonso's looking quick. These guys now will probably stop working on the cars for this year and focus on next year's uh, car. I think this is the last race where we'll have lots of upgrades. We might uh, Haas have said they've got stuff coming in uh, Austin, but I don't see many teams bringing massive upgrade packages anymore. And we'll see this. We'll see uh, next year in Bahrain at the start of next year's season. I think we're going to have a really close grid of guys who've kind of seen what a Red Bull have done and try to learn from it or kind of adapt their car a bit more. It's going to be good. We, I don't see us sitting here in a year's time going Red Bull are dominating again. I think we'll have a much closer grid. I wouldn't be surprised if Red Bull are still leading the way, but I think it will be closer. Right, we will uh, round up about now because we're going to do our predictions because I've been going on for quite some time. My first prediction is at least one Ferrari on the front row. They've been looking so quick that even if Red Bull are sandbagging and not showing their true pace, I still believe they'll be there or thereabouts for qualifying at least. So I think we'll have at least one Ferrari on the front row if not two we could have a ferrari front row front row lockout tomorrow and if we have these two ferrari drivers who are this close together 
I think that's really exciting in terms of that team who, you know, they're not really going for anything at this point. They're not gonna, um, they're not gonna win the constructors' championship. They're not in the drivers' championship. They can just let their drivers race, and that's what Vasseur has said they're gonna do. So that could be really interesting in the race on Sunday between the two Ferrari guys. And I'm going for a prediction that I've done before, and when I did it before, I was right because I did this at the uh, Dutch Grand Prix. I'm going for three different teams on the podium. So first, second, and third will come from three different teams. I don't know what those teams are going to be, but I can think they'll be three different teams. So there you go. There's my preview for the Singapore Grand Prix. Let me know what you're thinking ahead of the race. Uh, what do you think? Can Red Bull make it another win here? Can Max win at the race he's never won at? Or can it be an upset from Ferrari or McLaren? or Mercedes, or Aston Martin, or even a Haas. Will Kevin Magnussen reclaim his top spot as the fastest man in Singapore? I certainly hope so. We'll find out all that and more over this weekend, so make sure you are subscribed, because I'll be covering all of it. Until then, though, have a great weekend. I'll see you next time, and goodbye.